This is Isaiah chapter 42 and starting at verse 1, uh, which if you want to follow it in the Pew Bibles is page 727. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare before they spring into being I announce them to you. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according uh, to uh, Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. And we're going to read uh, Matthew 3, uh, verses 13 to 17. This is the baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And Father, as we turn to your word now, we ask that you would indeed open our eyes and our hearts to see you afresh, to experience you again, and to leave having known the touch of our Lord on our lives. In your name, Amen. I wonder if you've ever been to the launch of uh, a new product. Um, I should be wearing black, shouldn't I, if I was Steve Jobs. I'd come on stage with my iPhone Uh, And I'd point to you everything uh, that this magical instrument uh, could do. 
all the new features, and there would be great razzmatazz. Um, I once, uh, I, I, only once have I ever been a male model, um, which was at a church charity event, so it was no big deal, I'm afraid. Uh, but we walked down the catwalk, and we had a particular routine that we had to go through, uh, and <clears throat> these new creations were being uh, displayed. Uh, and, uh, of course, it, it was nothing, it wasn't supposed to bring any glory or honour uh, to us as individuals, but to the designer. It was all about uh, the design. And this passage, for me, is the new launch. This is the big reveal. Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the world, is revealed. The only drawback is you've got to wait 700 years to see him physically. And you thought the Tesla had a long lead-in time. Oh, yeah. We're introduced here to the person, their character, and their mission. Uh, and uh, actually, this, this passage bears a little bit of scrutiny, so you, you may actually want to have it. I don't often uh, ask you to follow carefully in the Bible, uh, but I may do this morning. It's page 727, because we will be looking at it. Because this is important. So firstly, the person. Who are we talking about? Well, obviously, I've already told you who we're talking about. But this passage starts, here is my servant. Actually, some translations say, behold my servant, which is why I said it's a bit like the big reveal. Behold my servant. The implication is clear. In fact, it's stated, isn't it? This person has come to be a servant. And a servant obviously looks after another party. They give continually. But this servant is special. Uh, And if you had in your hands the New King James Version, the servant would actually have a capital S. Because in their translation, they're trying to make it perfectly clear that this servant is the servant. This is God himself. Uh, Servant is quite common through our Bible. If you want to look at Matthew uh, 12, 17 to 20, actually Matthew cites this whole passage from Isaiah. Uh, Matthew 20, 25 to 28, uh, chapter 23, verse 11, Mark 9, 35, Acts 3, 13. All of the writers refer to Jesus Christ as the servant. So we're beginning to get that sort of link between uh, this passage in Isaiah and the rest of the Bible. The passage itself makes it reasonably clear that this is God himself. Because verse 5, this is what God, the Lord, the creator of the earth, says. Verse 6, I, the Lord. Verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. It's a reference to the servant, but it's almost interchangeable. The servant and I are one. Uh, And of course, if we're in doubt, we then employ hindsight, which is a great thing. Um, And as I've already mentioned, the baptism of Jesus, uh, which we've just read from Matthew 3, if we'd have actually, we started at verse 13, if we'd have started at verse 1, we would have heard 
John himself saying, um, uh, Behold the one that comes in the name of the Lord. This is your servant. And he quotes the words from Isaiah. In Acts 4.27 we read that Jesus is your holy servant. In other words, the servant was sent by God, ordained by God. We see here that he has the power of the Holy Spirit. He's empowered by God and he was God. So when we see right at the beginning, here is my servant, God the Father is saying, here is my son. He's come as a servant to the world. And then it goes on, whom I uphold. Again, if you wanted to go into different translations, there is a lovely one which says, here is my servant on whom I lean. I think that's a wonderful expression, on whom I lean. Because you lean something up against something else to give it support. So here is God looking to his son for support. I've given you the task. You are the servant. I'm trusting you totally to go and do it. Isn't that brilliant? God leaning on another part of the Trinity. Relying on his son to do the work of the servant, to do the very purpose for which he had been called. So if that's who we're speaking of, what was his skill set? What does this product do? Well, let's look at verse 2 and onwards, some of those uh, that I've already read out. He's not going to shout or cry out. He's not going to raise his voice. It's a typical sign of a servant, isn't it? Total humility. The servant always comes second, if not third, fourth or fifth. He always comes last. He's not going to raise his voice. He doesn't need the big razzmatazz. He doesn't need the big Steve Jobs and the, you know, the uh, uh, band and the, the fanfare in the background. He's just going to go quietly, doing his job and letting you judge him through what he did. His job, of course, is therefore to point to others and not to himself. So if he was on the catwalk, he would definitely be saying, this is all about the creator. This is not about me. And I'm the one out the front, but this isn't about me. It's about the person that sent me. And then verse 3. A bruised reed he will not break. A smouldering wick he will not snuff out. We've come across this imagery before because a reed was only used for two things, for drinking, like a straw, or to put on the roof. And if it was bruised, it means it's cracked and broken. So you throw it away. But here it's saying a bruised reed he will not uh, break because actually if you let it grow, you let it grow past the crack and you use the good bit. But that takes time, it takes patience, it takes care and concern. And a smouldering wick means that it's run out of oil or the the flame's gone out. And you have to fill it with oil and you have to blow on it as you would a, a fire that's nearly going out. You blow on the embers until you get the first crackle and then you start putting on the wood. But it takes time, it takes concern, it takes care. 
It takes patience. It takes love. And that's what the servant is here to do. Instead of being harsh, he will bring justice for the judgment. It means hope to those that currently have none and judgment to those who are trying to impose their will. And speaking of that justice, he will not falter or be discouraged. This is total perseverance. He knows his task. It may be difficult. He may have setbacks, but he will not be dissuaded from his cause. So what is his cause? Well, again, you can see it several places in the, in the passage, right from verse 1, where it says he will bring justice to the nations. In verse 3, he will bring forth justice. Verse 6, he's going to be a covenant to the people, a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes of the blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. You could sum it all up in one word, couldn't you? Freedom. He's going to bring freedom. He is going to give his people freedom and that includes us because we are part of the nations. We are the Gentiles mentioned in verse 6. A light for the Gentiles. In other words, he's going to be the servant of the world. All people, everywhere. We are the people sitting in darkness. It's a theme that Isaiah uses elsewhere. Golly, we should remember that just so soon after Christmas, shouldn't we? To the people of darkness came a great light in chapter 9. And when we're in the light, of course, that's when we can see. We need the light to see. So that's where we come in. Because if we are released from captivity, if we're given a great light by which to see, it's for a purpose The servant doesn't come to work hard just to leave us in the same circumstances. A servant is always there to change things, to make things better, to give you something. And that, of course, is freedom from the weight of sin. The old word used to be bondage, didn't it? Bondage to sin. He's freed us from the bondage of sin. Freedom to walk in the knowledge of and the love of God. Which means that the task of the servant is now our task as well. We have become the servants of God and we give ourselves to this task. We may still be in an interregnum, but the beauty of an interregnum is that there is no one else to fall back upon except us. They say that the necessity is the mother of invention. I think I've got that right. I think that's the right expression. Necessity is the mother of all invention. Because when you're up against the the wall, your backs are to the wall, you've got to do something. You've got to think of something. Otherwise, there's no hope. No, I don't think we're uh, quite at that position in this church. (laughs) I would hope but we haven't got a formal leader at the moment. So who is going to do the coffee? Who is going to clear away? 
who is going to put up the Christmas decorations or take them back down again, who is going to change the hangings, who is going to help in the children's group. We are. There is no other. It's down to us. And the brilliant thing is, certainly from where Kier and I stand, is that we can see it all happening. Because you are stepping up and being involved. And the church has not fallen apart. But we want to do more than just be in that sort of maintenance mode, the juggling mode. This church needs to move forward. And that depends upon, and it's, it's a demand really, upon each one of us to speak of the servant of God. Because he is our servant, he's our God. And if we have the servant nature of God in our hearts, then we will serve each other, then we will serve our community, then we will serve God properly in this place. That's the call that he's giving to us. We have a God who took on the form of a servant, who made himself nothing, giving up everything, even to death upon a cross. And if we can't share that vision, then I'm not sure what else will inspire us. We have a God who made the world, yet was prepared to come to earth in human form as a baby, to grow up as a servant, and to give his life for us. I wonder what we will do this year to share in his purpose. Who are we going to talk to to inspire others to come to know the God who is our Lord and Saviour? I just want us therefore to think about that for a moment. It's a very old song. And by way of a sort of closing prayer, we'll listen to this song. Brother, let me be your servant. Bro. Bro.